All right. Hard ending. Boom. Uh, again, so great to have you today. I'm so glad that, that you're in the room and those of you that are, that are watching online. You know, uh, that's a great tool, our live stream, to be able to tide you over if uh, you're not available. But I was talking to a gentleman, uh, and he hasn't, wasn't able to make it for a few weeks due to some circumstances. And he said, you know what? I watched online, but there's nothing like being in the room. I love that. And that's so true. So, and we are in this series at the first of this fall season. Um, and it's in the book, uh, the two books of First and Second Timothy. And we're really talking about refocusing, refocusing as a church, kind of dialing into uh, what is important and what is foundational. Uh, we've been through a lot the last couple years. Our culture and society seems to be kind of all over the place, all over the map. And so what we found in the books of First and Second Timothy, they're called pastoral epistles or letters to a pastor. And Paul, being the senior veteran, being the church planter and kind of spiritual father of a couple younger guys, he writes letters to Timothy, which is pastoring a church in Ephesus, and to Titus, which is pastoring a church in Crete. And uh, so, and he's trying to uh, make sure those churches are healthy, and he's giving them healthy instructions. And so, as you saw on the screen, uh, we're, we're kind of working our way through several issues within the church that we need to have a healthy look at and uh, need to take a healthy look at. And Paul is addressing some uh, stuff that's not right in the church and some false teaching that has come in. And there's some things that as the early church begin to uh, gain traction and begin to grow, uh, things start, distractive things start coming in and, and adding on and tacking on. And so the Apostle Paul said, hey, we need to stay healthy and so Paul is instructing Timothy about the dangers of following false teaching in the light of true riches that God gives while also encouraging believers to fight the good fight of faith. And so this, this particular emphasis we're going to talk about today is the, the wealth or the money or what we have in our hands, what we have at our disposal. And uh, the reason he's addressing this is because there were some shenanigans that were going on in the church, manipulative things when it came to money. And let me just say, there's nothing slimier. This is my personal opinion. This is not scripture. Let me just, uh, just say this is First Dave 1.1. 1, 1. There's nothing slimier than financial marketing and money schemes played out in the church. Uh, I mean, just it's manipulation at its finest. Um, I remember a time, true story, I was approached by someone and they said, we've got a whole group together and if you put $2,000 in the pot, God's going to bless you and uh, we'll, you're going to get $16,000 out of it when it's your turn. And I went, oh, that's a great way to lose money. And, uh, and then I found out they, they got in trouble with the law because you can't do stuff like that. But there's, there's stuff that happens. Uh, you know, you hear that God wants you wealthy. Um, I'll show you how you can be blessed. I show you, you know, the, the finance that God wants you to have. Like if they have this secret combination of the heavenly vault, right? And if you hold your tongue this way, and if you have enough faith this way, then you'll be able to cash in. And Paul says, not so fast. And Paul's life and teaching has showed something completely different. I love Paul because he just tells it like it is. 
He doesn't candy coat anything. And he's been really upfront and transparent. And he said, you know, sometimes I've done really well. Sometimes I've had more than enough. I've done really well. And other times I haven't done well at all and I've barely had enough. And, uh, but really what he's saying, following Jesus is what leads to contentment. It's another thing we don't get a lot of in American culture. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more we find peace and value in the gospel message, there's, less, uh, there's a less need for that external validation that wealth and status seems to be worth here in our culture. Like if you've got this, if you drive that, if, you, if you've hit these marks, then, then you're worth more. You're, you've got more status. You're, man, look at them. And Paul says, you know, it's not about that. It's about contentment in Jesus. So the false teachers have discovered that there's a financial market for bad religion. <laughs> I don't know if you ever noticed that uh, uh, anybody ever bought a sliver of the cross that somebody's selling like, like 1130 at night on, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, uh, water out of the Jordan River. That's pretty good. You know, this is the same water that Jesus was baptized in. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, but there, there's a financial market for bad religion. There's a financial market for uh, uh, deceptive practices because people are trying so hard to hope. They're trying to grab onto something. Sometimes it's like, well, if you give me something to do, maybe it'll work. And so we begin here where Paul is communicating to Timothy that uh, and he's addressing these false teachers head on and so we're kind of catching him in mid mid thought here first Timothy 6 3 and uh, and uh, you can follow along on the screen or on your own device or if you're old school you got a Bible awesome first uh, Timothy 6 3 says anyone who has a different teaching does not agree with the true teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that shows the true way to serve God so he's addressing, he's talking to these false teachers. This person is full of pride and understands nothing, but is sick with love for arguing, fighting, and fighting about words. Kind of sounds like social media. But, and then look at the result. This is why Paul is so strong about getting this out of the church. He says this, this brings what? Jealousy, fighting, speaking against others, evil mistrust and a constant quarrels from those who have evil minds and have lost the truth. They think that serving God is a way to get rich. So here we go. And look at, he says, serving God does make us very rich. But notice the if. It says, if we are satisfied with what we have. We brought nothing into this world, and we take nothing out of it. Anybody's dad ever said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out? I always, every time I read this, that's what I think of. It's just like, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Okay, that's a great line. So, um, but it says, tell the rich people to, do, excuse me, I, I skipped down because I ad-libbed and I got to get back to the script. So, those who want to become rich bring temptation to themselves and are caught in a trap. They want many foolish and harmful things that ruin and destroy people. The love of money causes all kinds of evil. Some people have left the faith because they have wanted to get more money, but they have caused themselves much sorrow. Then verse 17, command those who are rich with the things of this world not to be proud, 
Tell them to hope in God, not in their uncertain riches. God richly gives us everything to enjoy. Listen to that right there, because sometimes we feel like if we're going to be a believer, then we've got to have nothing and like pinch lint the rest of our life. No, God gives us everything to enjoy. Tell the rich people to do good, to be rich in doing good deeds, to be generous and ready to share. By doing that, they will be saving a treasure for themselves as a strong foundation for the future. Then they will be able to have the life that is true life. So there, there are a couple responses that happen in the room when we begin to talk about money in the church or financial issues. There's going to be a group in the room that right now you're just not doing very well financially. I mean, uh, it's a difficult time. Maybe you're just going through a season and you're going through a period right now and it's just not going well. And so you just kind of like want to clench up and not really hear this. Um, some are worried at this moment, the very moment you came in with financial concerns on your heart and on your mind. Um, I just heard that uh, because of the changes in our economy, that the average family is having to pay uh, $450 more per month than they did last year at the same time. I don't know if you've noticed that, but, uh, and I know that all of you got a $500 raise per month to offset that, right? So we're all good. Um, okay, so, but there, there's some in that place. There's others of you in the room that you've done well, that you have a well-paying job or you have the ability to accumulate because of your skill or your gifting or your training. And so here's the deal. This, this is why it's so important to know how to be healthy in your heart. That's what he's talking about. Jesus doesn't want your stuff. He just doesn't want your stuff to have you. And he wants us to be healthy in the heart. How do we navigate this in a healthy way in our lives as it relates to here within the church? And what does God want you to do in the area of possessions and money and giving and generosity? And how does God want you to prioritize maybe the riches that you do have? And Paul really emphasizes the contentment piece here. And I think people struggle there because there are times where I'm happy and there's other times when I have less and then I'm just, I'm just not. I'm just, I just can't get, get there. And I love how Paul talks about the, the, the ability to be content in a season, no matter the season. And skipping out of First and Second Timothy, going to the, the book of Philippians, um, I love what Paul says here um, about that. And I, think it's, I thought it was important to kind of highlight this as it relates to how he's trying to get people to a place where they're content with what's in their hands and content with what they have. Philippians 4 10 to 13, he says, I'm very happy in the Lord that you have shown your care for me again. So the people of Philippi, the church at Philippi, has been financially supporting Paul and his ministry. You continue to care about me, but there was no way for you to show it. And I am not telling you this because I am in need of anything. I have learned to be satisfied with the things that I have and with everything that happens. I know how it is to live when I'm poor. And I know how it is to live when I have plenty. I have learned the secret of being happy at any time in everything that happens. And when I have enough to eat or when I go hungry, when I have more than I need or when I do not have enough. 
And then check out this line. I can do all things through Christ with gives me strength. Isn't that interesting? That's a pretty famous scripture that we use on sports posters. And every time we come up against like, you know, what are we going to go into this game? We can do all things through Christ. Paul said that line in context of living a contented life with what's in your hands or what God has given you. You can do all things through Christ. What I take from that, you know, there's going to be seasons where you are struggling financially. I think everybody can have a story and maybe everybody does have a story where you could tell a time, you know what, there was a season in our life, in our marriage or in my early life that, man, it was difficult. And some of you might be there right now. But there are also seasons in your life. You say, you know what, due to some uh, decisions that I made or due to some training I have, you know what, we did really well. And you might be there. We all go through them. But Paul says it's not a money deal, it's a heart deal. Don't allow the season you're in to get you to feel like God doesn't love you. Here's the deal. You need to hear that. God doesn't love people that have more money more than he loves you. Sometimes we can believe that. It's like, man, they're so blessed. God must love them more. You can't do anything to make God love you any more than he does right at this moment. And I love that. But it's out of God's love and long-term plan for you that maybe you don't have everything you think you want. I don't know how many of you have strategically um, placed the, uh, the Powerball numbers in your mind that if I got $450 million, the amazing things I could do for the kingdom. Anybody? Anybody? I, I've wasted way too much time as I'm just, you know, spending that in my mind going, oh, I would support ministries and I, yeah, 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 you know. And it kind of reminds me like my four-year-old grandson, he wants chachit, it's chocolate is the interpretation, but he wants chachit cake right before he goes to bed. And how many know that we have a little better knowledge in that maybe that might not be a wise thing to do? He doesn't understand it. He doesn't really like it. And so I'm still praying for chocolate before I go to bed in the amount of millions and millions. But here's the deal. It's a, it's a heart matter. Look at the season and trust God in it. You should be giving and generous in any season. But if contentment is in play in your life, it doesn't matter the place you are in or what you have. And you can say, you know what? I trust God. He knows where I'm at. I'm good. I trust God. I know there might be better days coming for me, and I'm going to trust him in that. I trust God that I'm just really being blessed right now, and there might be times when I'm not so blessed. I'm going to trust God in that. And so Paul tells Timothy, command those who are rich with the things of this world. It's kind of a strong word there. Command those who are rich with the things of this world not to be proud. Tell them to hope in God. And, you know, when he says command the rich, I love it because everybody thinks he's not talking to me, <laughs> right? Because I'm not rich, right? It's the guy that's above me that's rich. And so if I talk to somebody that makes about $30,000 a year, you know, or something, they say, hey, are you, I'm not rich. It's that $50,000 guy, man. That, now they're rich. And then you go to the 50, how's it feel to be rich? Oh, I'm not rich. It's the $75,000. You follow me when I'm saying it's not, you're never, I'll go to a guy that makes a million dollars. Are you rich? No, I'm not rich. It's the $10 million. You know, rich is always this, this rotating door that I never quite get to. But here's the deal. I want to say I've got some good news and I've got some bad news today as it relates to the world and who makes what 
and who has what, the standard of living. Here's the deal. The good news is that you are rich. <laughs> so just let that sink in. Hey, I'm rich. I don't know if you've ever felt rich, but I told you so. So here you go. You're rich. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, this is a gift from God. And what I'm talking about in the American culture today, as it relates to the rest of the world, we are exceedingly rich when it comes to the world. If you make $33,000 a year, you're in the top 1% earners in the world. And here's the deal. If you made $80,000 a year, you're... 0.1% in the world. And, but I know a lot of times you say, well, that doesn't matter because you know, my bills don't go from Africa, right? Reminds me of that professional athlete one time that was trying to justify the millions and millions of dollars that he was getting in this contract. And he said, well, yeah, I know we make a lot of money, but you need to understand uh, we have to spend a lot of money on our lifestyle too, you know. <laughs> wow. And I, I think I can feel that way sometimes. Well, you know, it, it might seem like, you know, I'm making good buddy, but have you seen my bills? I might be making more than I ever, but, you know, I've got, you know, to house and car and it's, everything's coming up. I need to make that. So it's really, it's not a rich thing. And the truth that Paul is getting to young Timothy is to let people know this. No matter where you are, no matter what's in your hands or not in your hands, you need to know that God has blessed me with more than I need I'm rich. Just living in the United States of America, I don't care what you think about our economy right now or our culture or our government or whatever. Let me tell you, we are an exceedingly rich nation and we are exceedingly rich people. And so that's good news in some sense. But it's also <laughs> bad news. So the good news is, is you're rich. But I also want to tell you that the bad news is <laughs> you're rich. The bad news is in this way is that Jesus said this in Luke 18, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And about that time, his disciples asked him, well, is it, man, who can make it then? And, and Jesus came right back. He didn't say never. He just says, with people, it might be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I think that's where Paul got it. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. So the problems that we deal with as we're hearing this, this command to those who are rich, teach them, make sure they get this. Why? Because there's inherent problems that come along with having wealth. We, we have some unique problems. We call them first world issues, right? You know, when our internet isn't quite as fast as we want it to be and we're really complaining. You know, it's kind of like, that's kind of a first world problem, isn't it? You know, um, our dishwasher hasn't been working for two weeks and I don't know what to do. That's a true story, but I got dishpan hands. So, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, I don't have a dishwasher, you know, and well, big deal. <laughs> you know, at least I'm not washing them in the river. Hello? Right? So there you go. See, there's somebody else that's been there. The problem with being rich is this. One of the problems with being rich is this, it's harder for you to depend on God. And you know, uh, some of you have done ability to do some traveling outside this country. Maybe you've done some missions work. And you go to some of these developing countries, and uh, there's 
There's really nothing but God to depend on. Sometimes I wonder, how, how come people respond to the gospel in such a dramatic way in other countries? How come it seems like there's so many healings and some amazing things? Because let me tell you what, in some of those countries, it's God is all I've got and I'm hanging on to it. And sometimes I have to look at my life. We're talking about taking inventory. It's like, man, God adds to all the other stuff that I have. And sometimes it can be harder for us to depend on God. And I've been on mission trips where I, I see the joy in the kids that are playing with a soccer ball made out of plastic bags. <laughs> you know, they got a dirt clod and a stick, and they're having the time of their lives. And I almost get kind of jealous almost to say, man, I wish I was that happy with just that little. And then I come home and I complain that my air conditioning isn't cold enough. But the fact is, Jesus taught us to pray. One of the the ways that we're supposed to pray in the, the Lord's Prayer is give us today our daily bread. Remember that line? But rarely, I don't think any of us have ever had to sincerely pray that, God, if I eat today, it's because of what you provide. Maybe you have had that story and been there, but most of us don't. It's harder for us to depend on God, and that's a tremendous spiritual disadvantage when we have so much. The other thing, it distracts us from true priorities when we have stuff. Here's the thing I love about uh, our culture today is we have a lot of options. We have a lot of options to do things, and the more options we have, the less we do the important things, right? It's like, uh, you know, I've got so many places to go that, man, church doesn't quite get on my calendar as much as it used to. Or... You know, I, I remember youth ministry, man, it used to be a priority, but man, we got so many games. And I know I'm kind of stepping on toes. I, I don't want to do that. But here's the deal. We've got to realize what is the true priority. And that's what Paul is getting to. He's saying, hey, the heart of hearts. Let's get to the heart of hearts thing. Jesus is the one that's going to help you be contented. Jesus is the one that's going to help you go, no matter where I'm at, I'm good because I have him. That's what he's talking about. And the other thing here that, that, that really kind of ties this up is that because we're rich, we have greater responsibility. We do have a greater responsibility. And you might have heard this. Jesus says, to whom much is given, much is required. And you need to understand that that's speaking to us today because we are the rich. That's speaking to me. I, can't, I can look around and look at my own life and say, God has been incredibly generous to me. God has been, he's blessed my life through so many different ways. And because he's blessed my life through so many different ways, then there's a greater responsibility for what I'm going to do with that blessing. Am I just going to hoard it to myself and keep a closed fist? I don't know about you, but that just doesn't seem like what Jesus taught us to do. So that's why God says, command those who are rich to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and be willing to share. They will lay up treasures for themselves and have the life that is truly life. So the bad news is that there's more expected of us because the more we've been given, the more we need to internalize the fact that, you know what, God has blessed me and I have more to give. And so Paul's message to Timothy is this, following Jesus leads to contentment. The more we find peace in the message of Jesus, the less we need to keep up with the Joneses, if you will. I don't know about you, but stuff makes me feel better. 
That's because I'm human. Don't look at me like that. It makes you feel better too. Come on. You know, we just want a little more stuff. Some of you, you know, it's, you go in your garage and you go, I'm king of the world, right? It was just like, I just want to, I just want to feel it. I just want stuff. I mean, we probably wouldn't say that out loud, but, but it, it makes me feel better sometimes. But I got to go back to, wait a minute, if I have it or I don't have it, has Jesus gone anywhere? If, if, I'm, if I'm hitting it high or I'm, or, 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 or I'm having to pray every day that I just make it, Jesus is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Paul's trying to get Timothy to instruct these people that in a culture that seems to be uh, twisting and in that culture where false teachers are coming in and they're trying to manipulate some of the people financially, he's saying, listen, we've got to dial it back to say Jesus is our happy place. And this isn't just for, for pastors. Like, you know, if you work for the church, <laughs> you're poor and content. That's good for you, right? This is for anyone who is a follower of Jesus. If you're in in a trade, construction, a realtor, a business owner, a teacher, homeschooling mom. The ultimate purpose of the Christian life is not to gain status, make a lot of money, accumulate a lot of stuff and influence. The purpose, no matter how much we make or what we do, is to be a person of God that reflects Jesus to our world. And obviously stewardship is a part of that. And we're never going to do this perfectly. It's always going to be a challenge. It's going to be a constant thing to come back to. Because remember, we talked a couple weeks ago that, that uh, Paul was talking to, to Timothy. He said, you've got to instruct these people and get them in training because you're going to fade. There's going to be times where you do better with it, and you get a time where you kind of fade. And we've got to constantly come back to, wait a minute, where's Jesus in the equation? Where's Jesus in our financial meetings and, and in my worry or in our and our pursuit of trying to get to a place. And again, please do not hear that God blesses. And we should not feel guilty for what God blesses with. Because Paul puts that right in there. He says, God's give us everything for your enjoyment. He expects you to enjoy life. And so if you have some stuff, don't feel, I'm not here to make you feel guilty about it. I'm just telling you, Paul said it's priority. It's heart level. It's where that's at. And the ultimate purpose of the Christian life is, is to live open-handedly, to really live open-handedly. And, you know, I found that, uh, you know, if I'm clenching my fists and hanging on to what I've got, I'm really not in a posture to receive anything, am I? But you say, well, if I open my hand, then some of it might go away. Yeah, but who's to say that God might not bring more and something much more meaningful in? And so it's just living that posture of an open-handed life. And that's the tension we face. How do we do that in a, a consumeristic, I don't know if that's a word, society, the consumerism that saturated our culture and that we're been bombarded with, with the message of, you know, we've got to have more stuff, we've got to accumulate. It's like a treadmill. And, you know, it's funny that, you know, the advertising agency, they've been doing this for as long as, as you know, I've been watching, and probably for the first advertisement was ever, if you get this donkey, you're going to be happier, because, look, it's got a great tail light, right? It's like, that's kind of funny, right? Get it, tail light. Uh, yeah, brooch. <laughs> we need a drummer. Uh, 
No, really, we need a drummer. Let's pray. Uh, but, you know, I mean, as long as there's been, you know, it's like if I get this, I'm going to feel better. One of the first sins that happened in the camp of the uh, Israelites coming in when they take over Jericho is there's a guy named Achan that got in and said, man, I got to have these clothes. It's going to make me feel better. I got to have this stuff, this plunder. And he came and he kept it for himself when God had said, no, no, no. First time out, all that's going to go to me. And he kept it for himself and it ended up being the downfall of his entire family. But you know what? I can say, man, that guy was nuts, but I still go for the shiny. I'm still reaching for it and saying, man, if I have, but guess what? Still got to wake up with me. Still got to look at my face in the mirror and I got to come back and say, am I living open-handed in a world that promotes clenched fists? Am I going to be a little countercultural and say, you know what? I'm going to be generous even when it seems like things are all going the other direction. And you say, well, what's that from? Well, actually, Jesus started the whole business because he lived open-handedly. Philippians 2.5, you might have heard this passage before out of the NET version. It says this, you should have the same attitude towards one another that Christ Jesus had, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. You know what that just tells me is that Jesus said, you know what? I got all of heaven, but I'm not going to hang on to it. I'm going to step away for something greater. Jesus had heaven in his hands, if you will. And he didn't worry about losing it because he let it go for more. But it looks like less. <laughs> and you see, open-handed living, you're actually poised to receive more. But like I said, it can be counter-cultural. But in the kingdom... A lot of people have called it the upside-down kingdom. The kingdom of God is the more I give, the more I get. The more I live a life of generosity, the more meaningful things will come into my life. So what, what, what our battle is when we're trying to stay true. Last week we talked about doctrinal issues and being focused on the right things and not letting anything distract us from yeah, what we believe funky. and we know is true. And the focus on accumulation so many times can twist us away. And, and sometimes it can make its way into the church and, and into our lives. And Paul cares enough to say, hey, we've got to deal with this right now. We've got to be able to willingly admit, man, you know, I've been blessed more than I deserve. I've got a lot. Am I willing to live my life open-handedly. You say, well, are you going to get to a place where you're asking for pledges or something here? No, no, no. You know, I'm really not even talking about the offering at all. I'm talking about the posture of your life. Because like I said, you can give the biggest check in the offering. It doesn't mean God's going to love you anymore. He's concerned about your heart. He's concerned about your heart. And the question is that I always have to ask myself when it comes to being generous with others, is my giving and generosity in proportion to how much God has blessed me. I mean, that's really how it goes, isn't it? Because there was this one story in the Bible where uh, Jesus tells a story. There was a king that, that called a guy in that had an insurmountable debt he couldn't pay. 
And the king had mercy on him and grace on him and said, guess what? I'm not going to give you more time to pay it. I'm just going to forgive it completely. And then that same guy went out and he grabbed somebody by the throat that owed him 10 bucks. Right? And so, I mean, when we look at how much God has blessed our lives with, with the things he's given us and, and the things he's put to, in our lives, I mean, how can looking at everything that God has given us, how can we be not the first people that say, man, I'm willing to give? I'm willing to give. I've been amazed and impressed and devastated watching what's happened in Florida, watching that. And I know that happens quite a bit in our, in our culture and in our world where there'll be natural disasters and this thing ripped through Florida. But I was also impressed by the, 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 the residents there talking about literally the thousands of people that have left their jobs, taken time off work, and just ran to Florida just to be there to help them. And I think that's pretty cool. There's a lot of screwy things that are going on in our country, but I went, that's pretty good. When they see a fellow citizen they might not even know in trouble, they're willing to give. And I said, God, I want to be like that. I want to be that way as a Christ follower. But it shouldn't take, you know, a category five storm for me to open up my hands. Follow me? It's like, and one area that I don't think we think of a lot, and I, I know you're saying, you're know, talking wallets, you're talking zeros. Some of the things we clinch because it's very valuable is our own time. So when you live open-handedly, you're also willing to give of yourself. Give of yourself, give of your time. You know, there's a kind of a phenomena that happened over the last couple of years when COVID hit and everybody got sent home. Everybody kind of pulled in. And people are much less willing to give of their time and give of themselves and serve. And I'm not trying to be mean or anything. It's just, it's just a fact. And I don't know what it was. What it, it was just the, obviously, when the whole world turns upside down, everybody is kind of. But as I, was, as I was reading through this and saying, you know what? The time and service is such a treasure. And maybe God's just going to say to you today, you know, here's what I'm just saying. Are you willing to give of yourself? give of yourself to someone you might know that just needs you to be there in the early church we see that there was radical generosity going on through the hands of the people within the church and orphans were being fed wid widows were being fed and and they were sending out missionaries and just like Paul was saying they were sending offerings to and Paul was a recipient of the offerings of these people and Timothy was supported in the ministry by offerings of generous people. But they also needed people just to come around and say, you know what, not only am I going to give, I'll go with you. I'll be willing to put my hand to the shovel. I'll be willing to put my hand in there. And so here's the deal. I don't believe in random acts or accidents, but, uh, but probably when you're hearing this, I can most guarantee God's going to give you an opportunity probably this next week to give something of yourself that might be something you want to resist. Does that make sense? So be ready for it. You're, you're like, I'm not going to look at my neighbor. I'm just getting in the house, right? Or I'm a... But Paul is talking about this. If you are at peace and a place of peace and acceptance with where you're at and if your contentment, contentment comes from Jesus and his love for you, then 
wealth is just a thing that can come and can go because Jesus is my home. Jesus is my space. It's easier to resist the temptation of starting to chase the wrong things when I keep coming back to say, Jesus, you're the big picture in my life. Possessions don't have to have me and I can enjoy them and I can share them and I can be thankful that God has provided for them, but I can also face any situation and know, you know what, no matter what happens to me, God's got me. No matter if I'm riding the wave or if I'm stuck on the beach, God has me. God has me. So when the Bible says, listen, you rich people, <laughs> and where I was like, I'm turning around going, I hope they're listening. It's like, you're the rich people. Good news is I'm rich. Bad news is <laughs> I'm rich. And so the bar just went higher. And Jesus is saying, hey, what are you going to do? How are you going to serve? How are you going to give? You want to white knuckle it? Go ahead. But you might miss out on some stuff that come to an open hand. Does that make sense? And I, I think that's what Paul, when he was like, I, am, I love this church so much. I don't want to see any kind of charlatans come in and and make the gospel out to be this money-making deal. And you've heard it before. If you give $100, God will give you back 1000 And if you give in the offering, God's going to bless your life. You know what? God loves you, and his ultimate desire is to grow you up into being more like him. Don't let anybody ever tell you that, you know, you got to do this to do this, or if you have this little combination, then that's when you're going to... You know what? Just that posture of Jesus, I want to be wise with what you've given me, and I also want to be content in any situation that when things are going really well, that I'm thanking you. And when things are not going well at all, and I'm wondering how am I ever going to get out of this position, that I can equally look to you and say, okay, Jesus, I'm still with you. I'm still with you. That's, that's the money talk today, right? That's the money talk. That's what, that's what Paul is telling the church. And I, I believe that's what we need to hear. That's what I need to hear as a church. Would you pray with me today? Father, I thank you that you bring ultimately contentment to our lives. God, I, I thank you, God, that no matter what is going on in our culture or the noise or the chaos all around us, Jesus, when you're at the home space in our life, if you're, if you're center of our life, then we can do all things because Jesus is our strength. God, I thank you for the blessing that you've given me personally. I thank you for the blessings that you've bestowed on so many of our people and those watching online. And I know, God, that, that as they hear this, they have that opportunity to be equally thankful and maybe take a moment to evaluate, you know, am, am I living in fear? Am I... Am I posturing myself defensively or am I open to what God might want to do in me and through me? And God, equally, I also pray for those that are part of our church family and faith community that are struggling right now, that are finding themselves in positions they've never been in. And, and quite honestly, they, they don't know how they're going to get out. God, I pray right now they would look to you and they would say, God, I... If this is the season I'm in, I know you're going to help me through, but just help me to be content in you as I navigate this very difficult time. Help me to not lose my trust in you, my grounding in you, and 
Help me, God, to know that you know right where I'm at and you care and you're going to bring me through. Father, I pray that faith would build in our lives as we do that. And I do pray over those that might even be listening or online right now or in the room that, man, they're just going through a difficult time and they could honestly pray, give me today my daily bread because if you don't come through, it could be a very difficult time. God, do what only you can do. And God, if you do it through the hands of other Christ followers, I pray that you would surround them with generous people that would help them and be generous to them and lift them up. Thank you, God, that we can come to you that way. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, here's the deal. We don't come to Jesus for financial gain. That's what Paul is saying. That's, that's not what it's about. We come to Jesus for life. Life, whether we have a lot or we have a little, guess what? We come to Jesus for life. And I just want to encourage you today, if you have not had an opportunity just to put Jesus at the center and just rely on him, and you haven't experienced that contentment in any situation, can I just tell you that coming to Jesus is the best decision you could make? Maybe it's been a long time since you prayed this prayer. Maybe you've never prayed this prayer, but maybe you would just pray a prayer that sounds like this, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I want to rely on you. That's the most important thing that probably could happen in the room today and in your life. Father, I pray for those that are saying that prayer, both online and in the room, that you would just be very close. Help us as a church to come around them. Jesus, help us to live open-handedly with our treasure, with our time, with our lives, and help us to look to you as the center of everything. Thank you that we can do all things through you. Thank you that what's impossible with man is possible with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me today? And uh, thank you so much for uh, being with us today and for watching online. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for doing the announcement. An incredible job. She reminded you of some great things, but next week is, is, is a great time. We're, I don't know if you noticed, we're getting a lot of baptisms right now. I like that. That's a, that's a sign of a church on the move. I love it. It's like, when's the last time somebody got baptized? Yeah, we're going to have a tank full. <laughs> and I'm so thankful. I'm just thankful. I'm just, yeah. I had to do something because that was kind of, you were kind of getting bummed out when I was telling you, you know, what you're going to do with your new truck. But no, I, they're going to come in one at a time. But what a time to celebrate people saying, I'm making a declaration on the outside for what's going on the inside. And there's going to be young ones that are saying, I want to live for Jesus forever. And there's going to be older ones that say, you know what? I want to do this again because I just, I just want to make this statement. So this is going to be a great, great day. And so I just want to encourage you to, if you'd like to be a part of that, let us know and uh, we'll, we'll get you wet and, uh, and get you making that statement for Jesus. But let us know how we can do that and let us know how we can pray for you. There, there, there's those connect cards. Use those because we love to be able to pray for you, stand with you. And uh, if, if you're a guest with us today, we're not going to put you on a junk mail list, but we'd love to connect with you. And that, that's just our heart. And uh, there's a prayer wall right over here to the left-hand side of the room. And I'm going to go over there right when I get done. And I'll be there. If, if you just need prayer today, uh, I'd love just to pray over you, pray with you. Um, but don't leave without having somebody pray for you today because that's one of the best things we can do. But until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you, actually shine his countenance on your life. Let me tell you, when you have Jesus... 
You are so rich. You are so blessed. Don't do life without him. In Jesus' name. God bless you as you go live the life. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.